Yo, what's Swingin' Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Steel Mace Nation podcast. My name is Fred Moore. Today, our guest is Jonathan Morris of the Unconventional Training Center out in Texas. I was speaking with him on Instagram, and I completely missed the fact that he's got an event coming up. And I said, holy crap, we got to get this on the podcast. Uh, On October 12th, he is hosting at their gym the uh, Texas Mace Shootout, which um, involves swinging heavy mace and following the uh the same type of rules as the vintage strength games does and i wanted to talk to him about it so we got him on the uh phone and we did a podcast so uh john is hosting the uh vintage strength games and he talks about that we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff too it's a really good podcast we get into like you know mindset stuff and self-improvement stuff so it's pretty good and um you can find him at unconventional training set at unconventional training center on Instagram. Before we get to the podcast, just want to remind you of our sponsor Ongo energy. Ongo energy is a caffeine spray, three sprays in your mouth and you get 175 milligrams of caffeine that start to work within about three minutes, ditch the coffee, ditch the pre-workout drinks and use Ongo spray to supercharge your workouts enjoy the podcast everybody but we are up and running so everybody say hello to uh jonathan morris of unconventional training he's at unconventional training is it unconventional training center yeah it's the un the unconventional training center instagram uh has a character limit so on instagram it's just at unconventional training center okay that's what it is yeah i was trying to read it off the phone here and it just ran out of <laughs> letters basically <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah cool man it's a pleasure to talk to you you've been on my hit list since i started the podcast um and you know wow yeah i i wanted to talk to you because i like uh you know we're talking about social media instagram i like your instagram all your workouts if i lived in texas nearby i would be working out at your facility that's for sure uh looks like you've got a little bit of everything there right uh yeah so it's a um it's a facility it's a warehouse gym owned by a gentleman named anthony brown he uh played for ut did olympic cycling and stuff uh and so he wants to be able to give back and he does this he trains a lot of clients there's about nine or ten trainers that we all rent space and kind of do our own thing he's got a bunch of equipment there i went bananas and bought a whole lot of equipment and kind of decked out the unconventional side of the gym there um and so yeah it's a good spot. I enjoy it. So like basically that's like your little section right there and you could leave your equipment and nobody messes uh, with it. So I have full access to the entire gym. Okay. It's like, a, uh, I want to say like 25,000 square feet. It might be a little bit short of that. Uh, but it's a pretty substantial spot. I've got probably four or 500 square feet just that my equipment takes up that I just kind of leave it there. Yeah. But we have access to the full facility. There's a basketball court and uh, a rig and a bunch of other stuff. That's predominantly where we stay is kind of that area. That's really cool. Do So when you're not utilizing your equipment, do other personal trainers that are renting the space 
use some of your stuff? It was really funny. I was actually, I was talking to my best friend yesterday and I told him, I said, you know, this equipment has made so much money and has helped so much client, so many clients for all of the other trainers here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I just kind of leave it all there for everybody else to use. And so it's, uh, it's pretty nice. Uh, it's nice to be able to go in there and use what other people bring in, but also just know that, hey, just as long as you guys take care of it, don't throw it around. Like, yeah, you guys have full access to all of it. Yeah. No, this is a really cool idea. I don't know if this, I've ever seen something like this before. So you have this large space and you have like, say nine trainers, you guys all kind of know each other. And I mean, you could really become uh, quite effective, like right from the get go with minimal equipment in this type of situation because you you guys kind of do like a, a, a share crop of, of all your equipment and yeah. basically, um, it's a great way to expose other people's clients to your equipment, to what you do. They might one day want to come and visit you and, and get some training from you. And, and I don't really believe in like, you're, it's it would be like you're stealing clients. Um, people are still going to go st- stick with who their trainer is, who they want to train with, or they're going to move on. It's up to them. So. I yeah. think that's great. You can kind of keep it all in house, and and uh, I I think that's a great model. I don't know if that's something that other people are doing out there, but I don't really know. I know uh, like I've seen some where kind of like the gym itself is established, and you might come in and rent. I know there's a couple of facilities here in Austin. There's one that uh, comes to mind in particular, um, ATX Gym. I have a couple of people that I know that kind of got their start there, similar to on it and that you can come in and, you know, do your training, train your clients, do your thing. You might pay X amount of money, uh, X amount per month for rent. Um, but just be able to do your own thing. Now I haven't been to any other facilities. And so I don't know if they do kind of the whole like equipment sharing where, Hey, we have all of this equipment. You can use all of it. Uh, or if any of the trainers bring their own stuff in, but I know like this, this gym in particular, it's been, it's been a big blessing. Like I know that there's not a lot of other facilities in the city and you know the state, maybe the country that just kind of operate like this. Somebody that has, Hey, I have all this space and I just want to be able to help give back and bring people in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, it's pretty cool. And also, you know, if you are the person that owned the space, um, you, you, you know, it's like, Hey, instead of me buying a bunch of equipment, I'm going to reach out to say, a half a dozen to a dozen people in the area that need a, a home for their training and their equipment and let them bring in their own equipment and then let everybody kind of share it and you just sit back and collect the rent and that's it. It's, a, it's yeah. an interesting business model. Um, well, and the nice thing about that is that um, one thing that I've found is that we've we, there's been people that have come and gone, like trainers come in. It's it's cyclical, you know. For sure. Uh, we'll have people that will play sports, just like you have clients that will come and go uh, through the seasons. Same thing goes here. We have trainers that will come in and get their start. They'll bring in a bunch of equipment, and then when they leave, they don't really have the opportunity to take it all with them. And so what's really fun is that he, uh, the, the gentleman that owns it, he's been able to amass – so much just random equipment that you'd not you wouldn't normally see very many places or if you do you'd think like they're going to have an entire set of them because it's all based around that and you'll have just a one-off like what does this do like uh this 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 it does like three things and you have some really interesting pieces of equipment there that you get to play around with 
Yeah, that's wild. That's 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 definitely an interesting thing. And where, what's the address of the gym? Uh, so the address of the gym itself is one zero ten two twenty. So one zero two two zero Metropolitan Drive. Um, it's in a little warehouse district in North Austin near the domain. It's uh, the domain is one of our big new communities, or I guess it new. It's been up for the last couple of years. Uh, but we're right behind. I'm really excited for this, actually. Uh, in the next couple of years, we're going to be getting the Austin Football Club. We're getting a soccer team here in Austin. And the soccer stadium is going basically in the backyard. Like we have, there's like the, this train track that runs through that runs literally right along the backside of the building. So in some of my videos, every now and then you'll hear a train horn go by. And that's the, the, uh, the public commuter train that's going back and forth. Um, it's part of the old, I think, the Mopac, Missouri Pacific Railroad system that used to go through. We still have the big trains that come through all the time. Um, but what's cool is we're on one side of the train, and on the other side of the train track, there's a couple of warehouses and then this massive open field. Well, that massive open field is where they're going to be building the stadium for the soccer team. And so we'll have all of that right here with us. Yeah, that should be something. That should definitely add some. Uh, well, I'm excited for it most because it's going to bring like the domain itself is a lot of like young professionals. We have Dell, we have IBM, we have all of these major technology, like tech campuses that are located a stone's throw away from the gym and this area of the domain. The domain was built as kind of a living uh, living quarters, a, a hub for these folks. It's like the, the downtown of North Austin. It's uh -huh. where, um, a lot of these people can live. They're minutes away from work. There's everything that you could need right inside the domain. It's designed to be a city within itself. Okay. Yeah. And so you have families that are coming in, you have schools that are being built. My best friend does youth sports performance and we do, you know, adult performance, uh, like just teaching people how to move better mobility mm -hmm. and movement is our big focus. And so I'm most excited. Like one of the things that I'm really excited for and the, the opportunity is going to be to be able to reach to some of these new people that are coming in. A lot of people that work at these tech companies that are in these bad postures. Yeah. Sorry, I keep like fixing my camera because I'm trying to get myself set up. <laughs> <laughs> Sit up straight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good posture. Shoulders down and back. All I, those things we teach everybody else. Yeah. Right. Right. It goes out the window when you're podcasting. Like you got to hunch over, get in there. So, oh, absolutely. Now, um, uh, yeah, I like the setup what you have with the gym and and um, and I, and we got you on this podcast today. This was this is an emergency podcast. Emergency, everybody. I don't uh, say I don't. I don't think it's an emergency. It's just it's that important. <laughs> to, to me, it's an emergency. All right, that's how yeah. that's how I take it. So you you have an event coming up. And we were like chatting, you know, uh, on Instagram and it's like, oh shit, we should have did this podcast totally a little bit. Totally should have thought about this. Yeah. So, um, it's going to be the Texas Mace shootout. I want to talk about that, but before mm -hmm. we get there, okay. um, we already talked about your gym, your facility, your location. Let's talk a little bit about you, John. Where do you come from? <laughs> uh planet earth no uh originally i'm actually from uh new orleans louisiana um i was there as a kid i grew up all around the country though my family moved around a lot growing up a lot a lot um, military family or no poor 
more than anything. Uh, my stepdad just moved around from job to job. We okay. were always kind of battling, well, do we have enough money for this? At least that's what I think it was. I, I don't really know. Um, just as a kid, you know, mom and dad says, hey, we're moving. And you just kind of say, okay, and go with it. Yeah. Uh, we moved a lot. Just uh, mostly like just trying to find support, moving uh, in with family and close to family. Uh, my grandmother worked for Florida Hospital, uh, so we would always go out to Florida. So it was bouncing back and forth, trying to find a place to stay. Yeah, so I guess the short story of that long answer is uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, okay. All right. And you wound up in Texas, um, in Austin, and, and uh, how did you get into becoming a personal trainer? And, uh, w- you know, what's the, the background on that, basically? So about eight years ago, I was actually living in Las Vegas with uh, some family there and I went to the grocery store. I don't remember what the conversation was, what happened, but I met this really tall ogre named Greg Morse. Uh, He's my best friend, my mentor. He's my uh, business partner now. Uh, But we just kind of started chatting. We hit it off. Um, he tells me later on, you know, later on, he told me, he said, you know, I don't know. I, you're this goofy little kid that I saw so much of myself in. And I don't know why I took you under my wing, but I decided I was going to, um, I went from 30 pounds overweight. I graduated high school, was 30 pounds overweight, had no direction in my life. I went to Loyola, New Orleans as a vocal performance major for a semester and a half gutted houses in the ninth ward in Katrina or after Katrina ended up leaving there and somehow just kind of floated around. Well, I was still floating when I met Greg. Um, He was a couple months, about six months out from leaving Las Vegas, moving to Austin, Texas. He's from Houston. And he talked about Texas so much about how this was about how it was this great state, you know, of all the States in the union, Texas is the one that could stand alone by itself. It's got this you know, incredible economy. It's this great place. You should come and check it out too. And so about three months later, I was tired of Las Vegas. I was like, this place is expensive as hell. I, 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 this is not my city. Yeah. I put out on Facebook. I said, I, I need to move somewhere. I don't care where. I just need a job and a place to stay. And I had a friend hit me up and was like, you can come work the oil field, fields in Michigan with me. I was like, well, I don't like the cold. And a friend hit me up that I'd known for a couple of years and said, Hey, I've got an extra room in my uh, apartment with my boyfriend. You can come and stay with us in Dallas. And I was like, all right, cool. That gets me close to Austin. Uh, moved down here about two years later, I ended up uh, moving down to Austin. Greg hit me up and was like, Hey dude, I've got a job for you. We opened up this gym called total athlete by Derek Johnson. Uh, back uh, when I first got here, when he first started here, he started doing that. I came down and about six months later, we ended up both leaving there and um, found this gym with uh, Anthony and I found a space here and started training there. And that's been about four and a half years now that we've been here. And yeah, I guess in all of that, I kind of lost the original part. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm bad at that. I go on a lot of tangents. My mind just, I'll start down one path and branch off all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, a good conversation. That's what that's called. So uh, <laughs> just keep doing it. That's fine. Um, yeah. You know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So you um, eventually became the unconventional athlete. No, 
I, I, I have to make this distinction. Okay. The unconventional athlete is actually Eric Doyle. Okay. And I was gonna, I was gonna do a thing called the Unconventional Athlete Club, and it was so that is actually uh, unconventional athlete is Doyle. Yes, uh, is Eric Doyle. I am the unconventional training center. I've gone through a couple of iterations. Okay. But essentially, I do obstacle course racing, Spartan okay. races and stuff yeah. like that. That's my big thing. I'm 32. I'll be 32 next Friday. And in 50 years, when I turn 82, my goal is to still be doing Spartan races. And so unconventional training, like I've done a little bit here and there. And the unconventional part was what just I started to feel a lot better. I didn't have all these same aches and pains that everybody else was dealing with as they were doing their conventional fitness. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to find a name that wasn't taken and something that worked. And the unconventional training center is one that popped up. Okay. So you were, you were doing Spartan races. Um, and, and what was your fitness regimen at that time? Like before you, oh, before you got to the unconventional, what, what were you doing at that point? Conventional stuff and Spartan? Um, yeah, conventional stuff in the sense that we were doing more conventional moves, but, uh, my, my buddy, Greg, his thing is morph. Uh, it, it was at the time morph sports performance, uh, now it's just Morph Performance Systems. Yeah, that's um, it, it's kind of I guess his style of training, the way that we train there, um, and so that's really all I had been doing. Uh, just a little bit of that. He was battling with some injuries, so I was going in and kind of doing work as hard as he was. But then when the workout was over for him, I would kind of stop. So my fitness level was I like decent, but not anywhere where I wanted to be at. Like I wasn't winning any of these competitions or any of these Spartan races. My goal was honestly, most days just to finish them with minimal, you know, minimal burpees. <laughs> okay. That's good. I, I like that goal. Yeah. Minimal burpees. I want to finish and not die. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. So then at <sighs> some point you got a mace in your hands and you started doing three sixties and then that's what changed everything. I take it. My first mace experience was a hot on it class. Uh, as much as I, I, as much as on it is not my thing. I love the, I loved black swan yoga and what they did. They had this hot on it class and it was taught by Matteo, uh, Matteo Rossini. I think his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Matteo at the time. And I went in and Greg was like, dude, you got to come and check this class out. It's fun. They have this thing called the mace and it's, it's just really cool. And so I go in there and I remember the first class I did, we're doing this thing. And I, I don't remember what the regression was, but he goes, and now some of you, you know, you've played around with this. You've been to my class a couple of times. We're going to do this thing called a 360. And I was like, that sounds fun. And I did at first to just the, the basic, cause I didn't, I was not, I wasn't grasping how it was done. But then after class, we stuck around with Mateo for a little bit. And, you know, at first he was like, I don't usually show people this, but, you know, you see my, you know, if, if you're interested in learning, I definitely want to teach you. And so I started, the, uh, I learned the 360, fell in love with it. So where can I get this? It said on it. I was like, that's too far up drive. Get online. I went on Amazon actually it was the first mace I ever bought, the incline fit mace for $10. Yeah, that's what I, I got. Or not for $10, the 10 pound. Yeah. Um, I think it was like 10 or $15 cheaper than the on it mace. That's the only reason that I bought that one. Right. Um, I started playing with it. The first swings it did were like looking back on them. Now I was like, man, that was bad. Sure. You know, yeah. way over the head, just didn't know what I was doing, mm-hmm. but we started looking more and we found uh, Mr. Mace man, Rick Brown. Yeah. 
And my buddy Greg reached out to him and we were like, hey, we really want to learn this. We really want to learn this from you. What can we do? So we set up the Mr. Mace Man seminar. This was November 3rd last year. Um, we flew Rick down. He brought Eric Doyle and taught us all about the mace. And uh, yeah, yeah, from there, I guess the rest is history. Uh, that started our big journey was kind of leading up to like starting from uh, the hot on it at Black Swan Yoga and then leading up to that first Mr. Mace Man seminar last year. Right on. So that's that's a pretty cool story. And you got to train with Rick, which uh, mm-hmm. I, I missed the boat on that. He, he's been out to Jersey three times. I got oh. yeah, I got into the game after his la- his third his third time. I missed him and and then uh I did interview him uh episode 2 and we talked a little really? bit. Yeah, I can check that one out. Yeah, episode 2. It's uh, you know, um it, Rick calling in from home and we're just talking mace and stuff. And you know, I said, "Well, why don't you come out to Jersey again?" And he's like, "Well, I've been out there three times already." He still has the <laughs> still has the rest of the world to go see, right. and I don't blame the guy. You know, and he plans on doing that, so good for him. Um, I will say the next, if you get a chance to be there, definitely check it out. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, everybody likes him, and he's a good teacher. You could see that. So that's. That's what you got going for you. You you picked up some really good knowledge from one of the most knowledgeable mace swingers in the world, yeah. and uh, good for you because you could pass that on to your clients and keep them safe, healthy, and happy, and build some strength and do all that good stuff. And what do you like what, as far as? Um, swinging the mace you don't really do much flow or is that something you not really i i went to i did one flow seminar um i I, i've dabbled i guess uh leo had there was a place called i think it was the the strength camp pflugerville um and they did just the seminar not the actual certification but basically teaching everything for the certification and then you could go online and do the the actual certification itself but I had a lot of fun. Me personally, I, I'm a creative, but not in some regards. I guess I, I should probably start flowing a little bit more. It might make me a little bit more creative. But anytime I get on there, I'm, I look at what other people do and I try to emulate that and I try to mimic that as far as just grabbing a mace and coming up with something off the top of my head for me. I don't know. Like I get there and I'll spend like 10 minutes just doing 360s and I'm like, all right, this is not morphed into anything at all. Yeah. And so I guess I, I don't know. Like my, I'm I tend to be a little bit more the traditional hard style when it comes to the mace in the club, and I just I have not picked up flow quite as much. But that goes for any type of flow, like kettlebell club, right. uh, mace, body weight. I'm just I, I I learn a little bit of it, but as far as putting it all together and stringing together these really awesome flows, that's uh, I just that's not my shot of whiskey, you know. Yeah, I hear you. That's cool, man. It's yeah, everybody. Everybody has a different way of going about it. Um, but, you know, the... I love some of the stuff they do, though. They've got some phenomenal things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I follow everybody. And and like you just said, I'll see some of these guys doing stuff that I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And you want to emulate it, you know? And, and it, it takes you on a time warp, man. You, you spend a lot of time 
watching little Instagram videos, or maybe if you're lucky, you can find something better on YouTube, right? And yeah. you know, you're do, you're going over the tape a lot, and then it's like you start getting these these moves down, and then after you learn it on the right side, you got to learn it on the left side. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, see, like that's like yeah, like you 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 know, there's no frustration like spending 10 minutes on literally a three second Instagram clip, Instagram clip where you're just trying to get that three seconds down. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. Like being a, like, you know, like you said, once you get it on one side, now it's like, Oh crap. Now I got to go learn it on the other side. Yeah. That's why I always learn it with my, if you learn it, uh, there is, I, I have zero, like, I don't know where I heard this from. It's just, I heard it years ago. It was, um, learn it on your dominant side and getting that patterning down, like really like, as opposed to learning it and then going through the motions like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, not think about it. If you really focus on the patterning on your dominant side, you're more likely to be able to pick it up on that, the non-dominant side. Um, I don't remember where I heard this from, but it was, it was something that stuck with me. So like now I used to always start like, Hey, you know, I'm going to start with my non-dominant side because that's my weak side. So if I can only push out, like if I'm going for 12, 12 reps on the, the incline dumbbell press and I can only get 10 with my left. I don't want to do 12 with my right because then I just gave more power to the side that's already more powerful. Right. Um, and I think in, in instances of just like pure strength, that's probably a little bit more beneficial, but with this, anything that's like that skill based, I, I definitely believe in learning it to the best of your abilities first and then progressing. Cause, uh, it, I've seen, I guess in myself, it's easier to learn something like I'm right dominant. Yeah. It's easier to get it on my right side. And then I have to focus on it a lot more, but then really focus and I can kind of nail it in on that left side a lot easier. That's a really, that's a good tip. Very interesting. I, I think that would be helpful to people listening in on the show. Um, I'm going to keep that in mind when I try to learn a new skill myself, uh, you know, see how it works. I don't know how I ever really go about it. Sometimes I think I just do whatever, but you probably you're going to, I'm right-handed too. I'm going to, try something on my right side more readily than on my left. So that's right. Yeah. That's a really good tip. Now the only downside to that is you'll get into something and then you'll be like, Oh, that was fun. And then set it down and not do the non-dominant side. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's yeah. That You got to finish. You got to follow through with this stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So, but you're doing, you know, 360s, tens and twos and all that good. That's, that's good stuff right there. I mean, that's where it all started with anyway, you know, that's mm. the beginning of mace, you know, thousands of years. So, um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just taught a client how to swing, um, a three sixty, and this is typical. What I see every time I get, um, uh, a new client or somebody just, I want to show the mace to the, the mm. flow stuff is always great to do, but when I get somebody to do a halfway decent swing, their eyes pop open and they light up. It's that swing. Oh, yeah. It's that swing right there that get that. And then once they know they can do that, well, I'll tell you what my client, my new client just said, you know, he goes, you know what, friend? I thought that Mace stuff was stupid. Like he was watching on my Instagram and I put the thing in his hand and I got him. I got him swinging and he, he, he admitted that, you know, he was thinking that way and he goes, but now I see how cool it is and, and I could feel what it does. Thanks for showing me. And I was like, cool, man, you're, you're in the club now. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. Most people nowadays, like we're, we're such a sedentary lifestyle. I coached orange theory for a while, for a little over a year. One of my biggest downsides was that to that was, do you know how hard it is to go around and correct the shoulders on 12 people when you've got 12 on the other side that you still have to do? Like our, our posture has become so bad and so many people are now just rounded shoulders, hunched Mm -hmm. forward their head. Like if you look at your ears, your ears should be on top of your shoulders you've got ears floating out in front of people's chests now. Right. And most people, their first thought is I, I'm going to smack myself in the back of the neck. I'm going to hit myself in the back of the head, or that's going to rip my arms out. That was my first thought. Cause sure. I was like, I can get my hands overhead. But then I was like, first time I saw somebody do a 360 with anything remotely heavy, I was like, dude, there is no way I'm going to be able to hang on to that and not like break my arms right there. Right. And then when you show them, I, the Leo Savage actually taught me one of the best ways at his seminar. I learned one of, uh, I still teach this way almost more so than I do, uh, the, the original way that I learned from Rick for the 360, but like little things like that, like Leo taught me a way to be able to get someone to just get the mace behind your head. That's the toughest part. Elbows up, shoulders behind your head. For most people, they think that's going to hurt. And to be able to get them doing that, to get them into that position and show them, look, you can swing this, you can swing this overhead and we can work on your overhead mobility the entire time that you're doing this practicing. And they never even know it. Yeah. That is like a lot of people don't know that they want that. Yes. Right. Good point. And yeah. And the whole thing, get it behind the head. Um, I that this is what I just did with my client. I had him pendulum behind his head. Yep. And I had him just keep swinging it wider and wider and wider. And um, I took a workshop class a few months ago from Kelly Manzoni. She was also on the podcast. And she did the same technique with us. We were all – this is a heavy swing class, kind of like a Rick Brown class. Yep. And she said, you know, you got a window – that you can look through right here. So as you're swinging it behind your head, you you look for it. So in order to look for it and that, and in order to see that weight, it has to swing up high enough. Well, it's getting yep. up almost shoulder height. You might as well just swing it a little bit more and get it up to might here. Might as now. well just pull it into the front. That's it. And yeah. all of a sudden, the person's swinging. It's it's such an easy way to um, approach it, you know. And if you hand them a ten pound mace, it's going to be even easier because most people, oh, yeah. yeah, you know. Well, it's like when Eric Doyle came out. We did kettlebell sport. He taught us um, uh, with the Turkish getup. He taught us the Turkish getup from the top down. Oh no, kidding! And then back up. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to start off with a kettlebell overhand locked out in that position and then work your way down to the ground than it is to teach someone the stability to get up. Like you're more, you're, your center of gravity is lowering the entire time. So right. you're making yourself more stable as you drop from the top down to the bottom. Yeah. Throw a heavy kettlebell overhead. That's the, mo- that's the least stable position. And you're telling me that I can get this overhead and I only have to hold it there as long as it takes me to get down to the ground? I can do that. Yeah. That's cool. So you're re- reverse engineering the movement basically. So that's another great little tip that you just threw out there. I'm going to remember that lock it up, you know, reverse engineer the movement, whatever the movement is, uh, and try to use that as a way to coach somebody up. Everybody needs a different way, you know, to, um, get them moving. 
And that's really all it is, is like I have um, like my biggest thing right now is like training. I've got a couple people that I train. I'm getting back into it. I work at True Lux and I do a bunch of other stuff, but I'm getting back into trying to get clients. And one of the biggest things is that when you're limited on the cues that you know, the more people you can learn from, the better you are, the better equipped you will be to teach someone else. Because I have, I, I have, there was this trainer uh, when I first moved to Austin. His favorite thing to say was hollow body, hollow body, hollow body. Didn't matter who he was talking to, everybody he was going to say hollow body. I don't know what, like now I do, but at the time I was like, dude, I don't know what the hell hollow body is. So you can say this all day to me and it doesn't help. And I get from that, you know, if you have only one way of saying something and that's the only way that you know how to teach it, you're going to be able to teach that many people. Yeah. But if you can learn another way and then another way, and then another way, you're expanding the reach that you have, the number of people that you can talk to. Uh, and I guess that's my biggest thing. I got to figure that out. Yeah. So that's what I love. That's why I love watching you guys. Uh, I, I watch Kelly's uh, interview or your interview with Kelly. Yeah. And I just I, I love hearing all the little cues and tips and trick, tricks along the way to be able to help everybody else. Out. Yeah. She's chock full of them. I, I can't, you know, I, <laughs> I talk about her all the time, but it was such a good experience in her class. Um, she had, we had like 16 people and she was able to make sure everybody was on point the whole time. I don't know. Is that how- the one with uh, Volkovinsky and uh, Kelly Manzoni? And I think it was one other guy that came out and taught. Was that that one or no? It was at a joint called Do You, Do You Even uh, Do You Move in Hawthorne, New Jersey. Two guys up there. I can't remember their names right now, and I uh, I feel bad. I, I sorry guys. It was Kelly and two guys. Was the one dude uh, Australian? No. No. All right. Never mind. This was not with not that I know. Does, of. She does a lot of. She's uh, <laughs> Paul Volkovinsky. He does like the Indian club stuff. He's one of the, like the original Indian club guys, I guess. Yes. Or that's been really promoting it. Yeah. Um. He's got a lot of really interesting videos, but he does more so like gadas as opposed to like the steel mace, the yeah. more compact. He does like the huge like um, uh, anomalist or no, not anomalist, uh, heathenly father. Um, I know everybody's Jake. Instagram name, and I don't know anybody's actual name. Jake Shannon. Uh, Jake Shannon is a normalist. He's the guy. Yeah. He actually uh, just had the um, the issue coming back from, uh, from yeah. his flight from London, I believe. Yeah, not him. I just saw that um, this morning. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he will Heathenly father. Um, he just made his trip. Over I follow to- Heathenly father, yes. And um, yeah. I can't. He's got like remember. that big 50-pound hornet's nest gata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want one of those. Yeah, I don't know where he got that, but – you should hit know, him up a beautiful piece hit him up and ask him where he got it i i hit him up and come swing it that's why that's one thing i want to do uh i want to go out and check that one out just i see all these maces that's the, that's the, the craziest part is everybody shows their videos and i'm like oh my god i want to swing yeah all of them right yeah they all have like a different feel and and you know you get a different experience it's 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 fantastic it really is you think it's such a simple thing and it is but it's not you know it's I'll definitely all on the end of a stick that's it you know it, but it really is um a, a key really it's a key that unlocks many different doors you know yeah, that, that's absolutely. that's what's you know um uh so cool about flow and you know if that if that's not something that you're really in tune with that's fine uh but a lot of people that get into it they really 
can't say it enough how it almost makes uh, the world change for them because they start thinking differently, at least mm-hmm. for that time period. And, you know, you, you are like you were pointing out earlier, doing some creative stuff and you're channeling a lot of energy in that in that creative vein and and uh it, you know there's no room to think about you know other things like you know bills or whatever it is that's bothering you yeah well and i mean that goes back to what we uh like right before we started recording kind of the the points i was hitting on it's like uh you know you you get 31 percent better brain activation from choosing the happy thought over allowing the negative thought Think about everything that we have going on in this world today, especially in this country right now. This country is so divided and so charged Mm. just with everything. Any little thing sets people off. And we allow this to get worse and worse, worse. And at some point you have to like people that do the flow. Um, the biggest thing that I get into is, you know, just the, the world melts away and I stop thinking about everything else. And I tell my girlfriend and, you know, for me, uh, one of the, the best videos I ever thought saw that changed my mind was this Tibetan monk he said, in your mind, you have a monkey and this monkey is not trained. So this monkey is going to do whatever he wants. Right now I can look at the monkey and say, monkey, focus on breathing. And so the monkey focuses on the breath. I breathe in, I breathe out. And this channels you. This gives that energy focus and it lets you be able to focus on something. Understand, you know, people, when they're flowing, the thoughts of the world come in, but then they just, they come in and they float around and then they go away. Yes. And you're focused on the flow and you come back to it. And that's one of the most beautiful things ever is that you can, change the way that your mind, you can change what your mind focuses on just by changing what you focus on, by choosing to say, you know what, I know that I have all of this negative around me, but I'm going to find the silver lining in it. And I'm going to say, rather than uh, one of the best memes I like sharing, rather than saying, why is this happening to me? Say, what can I learn from this? What is this trying to teach me? Right. And that's I, that's that's how I try to live my life at this point. Yeah, likewise, man. And and sometimes I'm successful with that. And when I am, I'm I'm so pleased, you know, that I caught myself, you know, and made it a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I forget, you know, we're human, right? Um, exactly. It, 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 but that's that's also you need that too. You need to be reminded that you're human sometimes, right? You can't operate at at that peak level all the time. You you'd be like the next Gandhi or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I honestly I think even Gandhi understood that he had bad days and he realized that. Like sure. Most people, I, I see all the, I see a whole. Uh, uh, what is it? The positive vibes only and how this is the worst thing you can do. I'm like, most people, what they see is they see someone say, I'm only here for the positivity. And they think, well, you have to have negativity in your life. There's no way that you can do that. Right. And what I tell people is understand, yeah, you're going to have the negative days. It's understanding that if this is the worst that happens to me, I'm doing okay. I have it better than uh, half of the countries around the world. Like there are countries in the world where no one has anything that they need, yeah. much less the things that they want. I'm like, this is, we've become a consumer nation where if we don't have what we want when we want it, there's a problem. Yeah. And 
those are like at some point you just kind of realize, well, that's not that big of a problem. Right. I've I've got running water. I can go literally get running water from my sink right now. How many people in the world don't have that? Yeah. Flint, Michigan still doesn't have drinkable water. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, like, yeah, we got a lot of things going on. We've got to solve problems, but you're never going to solve a problem only focusing on the problem. At some point you have to think about solutions and you have to be positive minded in order to get past the problem. Otherwise we just perpetuate problems. Yes. Right. And let me ask you this question since we're on this topic. Um, Do you read any books or anything or listen to podcasts that talk about exactly what we're talking about right now, how to handle negativity how to move along in your life in a in a more positive level how to sit with negativity without it affecting you emotionally and you go off and get derailed from it like is there any place where you get this information from um now not in, not anywhere in particular currently um a lot of it so i i started doing when i moved to dallas i was there for about 6 months uh i was ready to leave again like i i've moved a lot And so I, it was a Tuesday night, Wednesday, I was going to drive down to Austin, put in applications and find a job somewhere that I could make money. Tuesday night, I went to what was called an Herbalife opportunity meeting. Um, And I went in and I liked what they said. And I decided then I was like, you know what, I'm not going to run. I was like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to stay and try this. And you know, I, I did Herbalife for two years. The biggest takeaway from the company was the fact that you have to do personal development. That was one of their biggest things. It's you have to do it. Otherwise, you're not going to get better. You're not going to see progress in your life because your my, your money, your life, everything that you experience is a reflection of your thoughts, of your mindset. Right. You bring about what you think about. You know, what your mind focuses on the most is what you bring about. And so... I got two books that got me kind of started on my journey was um, The Genie Within by Harry Carpenter. And it was mostly dealing with how to um, fix your mindset. Been a very negative person all my life. Very, very low self-esteem. I was overweight. um, Didn't have a lot of friends. I was the oddball, the weird guy. Uh, And so it just kind of put me in a negative mindset, a negative place my entire life. And that was one of the biggest things that was instrumental in kind of getting me out of that. I was able to get past the droning of the voice in the audiobook, but there were some uh, like meditations essentially that were really awesome. And I remember my first one, um, it was like it, 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 I just had this incredible experience where I could see everything in the visualization that I was supposed to. And it was just the most incredible feeling ever. And that just kind of, I was like, okay, I can do this. I know this is possible. And from there, it was the seven habits of highly effective people. And it's go. just, it, it's been like, those have been, I guess, two of the biggest ones for me. Um, the seven habits of highly effective people I, I refer back to so, so many times. Um, and then along the way, it's just a lot of TED Talks. And yeah, okay. uh, just general, like TED Talks and TEDx is one of the biggest things. I, I love TED Talks. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, the seven habits of successful people. Um, uh, I read almost the whole thing. Um, I never got back to it. I got distracted by another book, um, uh-huh. and that book was Dale Carnegie's book. 
Oh, which one? Uh, how to how to how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, how that's to, a good book. Yes, and I I really recommend that to any new coaches coming out uh, nowadays. You know, when you're trying to start oh, I out. I read in a while. It, I need to get back to that one actually. Yeah, it's uh, it. There's audible. A, yeah, get it on Audible and and you know listen to it in your headphones or whatever. It is so worth it because it really teaches you you know accountability. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you are in control of everything and just simple things, uh, especially a, a steel mace coach or any type of coach should know, like, you know, learn a person's name, use it in the first 20 seconds, um, let them know that they're special and, yeah. and, you know, make it about them, you know, give them that experience. It helps with that, but it really helps with everything in life. And then the seven habits book is, is another great one. Why, why reinvent the wheel? Go look at what successful people do and do exactly. that. <laughs> Just do that. If you do half of what they do, then you're going to have half of what they have. Yeah. And, right? and that's a lot sometimes. So, you know, there. Well, I mean, even if think about this, everything that you do every day leads you to where you're at. Everything that you've done in your life so far has led you to the point that you're at right now. Right. If nothing changes, if you don't change anything, guess what? Nothing in your life is going to change because you're not doing anything. You have to, you have to take an inside-out approach as opposed to the outside-in. I'm waiting for politics to be better. Right. I'm waiting for this person to pay me more. I'm waiting for this or that or that or that so that I can. Right. Well, this person's doing this and that person's doing that. Like the the everybody has the same amount exact the same exact amount of time. In their day, if Beyonce has got millions of dollar dollars and the followers and the fans and everything that she has, there is absolutely no reason that anybody else cannot do it. The only difference is what has what have the successful done that the unsuccessful have not. And nine times out of ten, it's literally just keep going, keep going, keep going. You say I can't, cool, watch me. Right. You say you don't want me to, I don't really care. Oh, you're interested, let's go. Yeah, that's why I sucked at sales because it's a numbers game. I don't want to drag you in kicking and screaming. I'm gonna. Are you interested? Yes or no? No. Bye. Are you interested? Yes or no? No. Bye. Are you interested? Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I love it, man. You got you got some some good stuff here. I, and this this is the stuff I like to talk about. Um, I got to have you come back on the podcast. Um, Maybe after you do the Texas May shootout sometime afterward, you yeah. can come back on. You could say you could tell us how it went, and then we could get more into this type of stuff: mindset, self improvement, self empowerment. I think it's really cool. Um, it's sort of the direction of where I'm going to sort of guide this podcast as we move along. I'm still going to be talking about Steel Mace and everything, but I really do want to go get a little bit more depth. Yeah, mindset. I think that's big, especially if you want to be a good steel mace coach because anything a minute you put a mace in somebody's hands, whether you're doing 360s, 10s and 2s or some kind of flow, you're altering something with that person and it's really nice to be able to have a little bit more to talk about with your client, yeah. you know, because that's what they're really there for. They're there for a sweeping change. They they right. may not even know it yet, but once they're in it, they're going to say, oh, this is an opportunity for me to change the direction and 
and head off into the wild blue yonder or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 So one of the one of the best things in line, kind of in line with that, um, the most important moment of any mace session is is really funny. Uh, this is going to be a, a big shout out to my buddy Greg. The most important moment of any mace or club training session is the moment that you put the mace or the club down. So many people come into my gym and they finish their set and they do what everyone does. They toss the club down or they toss the mace down. One of the biggest things that we teach is we teach a lot of youth. So we do youth sports performance, um, every, like middle school, all the way up to college and above. Um, and I'm not here to teach you how to be a better athlete. Like I'm here to teach you how to be a better athlete, but I'm here to change your mind and your mindset. And the first thing that I teach people, the first thing that we want to teach people is that you have to respect the equipment all the way through. The the more we respect the equipment, the longer it lasts, the longer it gets to take care of us. And anybody can just, you know, finish a set and throw the mace away, throw the, the, the equipment away. But when you have the discipline to take that incredibly heavy or that incredibly light mace and set it down gently down to the ground, control yourself, composure all the way through the end of the exercise. The exercise is not done when the last rep is done. It's done when the club or the mace or the dumbbell or the kettlebell or the barbell is put away. And so that's one of the biggest things, like just disciplining yourself to think about how is my, how are my actions going to affect this tool here? Mm. Am I going to be able to continue yeah. to use this for years to come? Or is this something that I'm just going to kind of discard each time I'm done? And in six months, it's going to look like crap. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. You're, you're thinking it through to the final end. You're not just whisking it off. And now you're thinking about going to get lunch. You're, you're focusing it all the way through, which is how you want to do anything in life. You know, how, how you want to talk to your spouse, how you want to talk to your kids, how you want to talk to your boss, how you want to be a boss, whatever it is, you want to follow it through to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A leader is the guy out front. Right. And the boss is the guy in the back with the whip. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes the boss. But I meant it, I meant it in a good way. The boss. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's really cool. And, you know, even just your approach to that goes to show uh, you as an individual, like your your ability to um, go deeper on something than what a lot of people will be like, come on, it's just it's just a piece of metal. It's just, it's just a piece of metal. Yeah, but Until no. You form it. You're, what you're, is, they say a, a steel block like done as a, what is it, as like a horseshoe is worth X amount, like the steel brick by itself is worth X amount. Uh, you turn it into a horseshoe, it becomes a little bit more. You turn it into springs for a, for a watch and it becomes worth millions. Right, yeah. So it's all about, you know, it, it's it's just until this like it's just this until what do you do with it yeah cool man i love that that's awesome i so yeah that's why i was asking you about where you get your 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 knowledge from and stuff so um you, you, Greg Morris. Most all of it's from that guy, and then. But you're a deep thinker man you 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 got some good stuff and and how old are you 32 
I will be 32 next Friday. Oh, I am counting down the days. I'm, I don't know if I'm excited or not. It's fine, man. That's a great age. That's a great age. The, I, the 30s have been the best, honestly, so far. Dude, you're, you're everything. You're young and you're wise. You're strong and you're fresh. You're you're not you you got it, you know. And now the idea is to to keep it as long as you can, you know. Um, I'm 46 and I I feel and I I, I don't know if I think well anymore, but I feel pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I forget a lot of shit, but I got a lot of shit going on. So uh, uh, that's, you know. yeah, I forget a lot of stuff too. I my, I got too much weed for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> at least you got an excuse. I don't, I don't do that. So, you know, I don't even really drink, so I don't, I don't know what my problem That's good. is. Well, I call it New Jersey air pollution or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is very real. That That's a whole, that is a whole nother podcast in and of itself uh, right there. Just pollution and everything yeah, there. But. Yeah. 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 And, that, and <laughs> uh, I'll talk about that with you. Yeah. Um, when, uh, Let's talk about the Texas May shootout now, because this is what the emergency podcast is all about anyway. Uh, we got to right. get the information out there. I promise you this this episode is going to get rendered or whatever. What, what do you guys call it? You're doing here with the Chris what, uh, rendering? Rendering. Rendering. They're going to render it, and it will be out tonight. Whoa. I'm excited. That's cool. Yeah. We're, we're, we put this on the on the hot cart and it's moving fast to, moving the speed I'm gonna work of light. at true lux tonight and plug that into the speaker and just it'll be me talking the whole night over the all over dinner yeah there you go I, I, <laughs> anybody in earshot would appreciate that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but anyway man so did you start the texas may shootout yes so um uh, Mr. Mace Man, uh, November 3rd last year, he came down, he brought Eric Doyle and I really liked the kettlebell and stuff. And I, I just like all things unconventional. I'd seen some stuff that Eric did. Um, and one of the big conversation pieces that we had were about how there are not very many competitions. There are almost none in the United States for the mates. Right. Um, at the time I think they'd had at, uh, the vintage strength games was kind of doing, uh, kind of doing their stuff at some of the kettlebell competitions right? and they wanted to do a standalone thing or I, I don't remember if, uh, if I, I they, hadn't heard anything about vintage strength games breaking off at the time. Yeah. They um, are, they are, they just did one in Virginia. I was there. Yep. They just did Manassas uh, yep. at the shop gym in Virginia. Uh, I wanted to be there. Um, but when we were talking about it, there were not really any plans or when, uh, when I brought these guys down, Eric and Rick, uh, in April for the event that we had, uh, the unconventional athlete certification, uh, we had talked about the fact that there were not any, um, standalone events at the time for the mace. And I was like, well, how cool would it be if we could do one? I was like, you know, Texas is centrally located. A lot of people would be able to get here. And we were like, well, wait a minute. What if we actually did this? And so I had just bought all of the equipment for the unconventional athlete certification, um, a bunch of maces, a bunch of clubs, Bulgarian bags, kettlebells. And I was like, well, I've got the equipment. Why don't we just kind of start planning it? And from there, that's kind of how it was born. The goal was to create um, a competition or a competitive event 
where people could come out here. It wouldn't be second to, you know, it wouldn't be a time filler. It would be dedicated to the mace and the club and just kind of all things with that. Uh, I didn't know 100% what events I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. I knew it was going to have the 360 and 10 and 2. Um, and then Vintage Strength Games launched theirs. They came out with theirs. I started talking with Brad Hutchins from Maceworks. Yeah. And um, he started talking about the North American Mason Club League, which is now morphed into AMCCA, uh, American Mason Club Competitive Athletics. That's the first time I've ever said that without stumbling over it all. Good job. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but that is going to be now the, the main, the big sanctioning body for these events. And um, it, it's it's kind of just expanded and grown and i'm really excited to see where it continues to go nice man so then i take it since it's under that it, it's going to be the same rules as vintage strength games used uh yeah so it'll be the amcca rules that's going to be the sanctioning body vintage strength games is going to be its own event um as part of the greater series um i don't i i, I think we're still working out 100 percent how are they are still working out 100 percent how that is all going to work um but yeah the texas may shootout is going to be its own thing its own standalone it will follow the amcca guidelines rules and regulations uh, and I'm actually in the process of getting a couple of videos together for that one for each of the events. I think I've got like the 360 um, event up now and I'm working on getting rules and regulations, just kind of going over the guidelines of this is what constitutes a rep. This is what we're looking for. Yeah. These are your no reps um, and, you know, have fun, happy swing. Yeah. Um, funny thing about what constitutes a rep. When I was at the vintage strength games, uh, they were saying, you know, your hands got to get down by the belly button. Yeah. Yeah. And, but everybody's got a shirt on and I know everybody has a belly button in the same proximal General area, <laughs> but you never know. Somebody might be born with a belly button up here real high and it, for them, but I'm just joking. But I saw yeah, yeah. one of the athletes, um, he was wearing a black shirt. He took some chalk on the edge of his hand and he drew a line across his belly with it. And he said to the judge, that's where my, that's where my belly button is. And I was like, that's actually a good idea. Have everybody wear a black shirt. Everybody chalk up right and there. Put a piece of, yeah, just get a chalk line there. I mean, why not? At least it, it gives the, um, the judge a, a better idea of where the, I think the, yeah, I think one of the biggest things with it is um, there's a secondary part of that, that or at least for me personally. Um, my spin on it is hands by the belly button. Now, of course, like you said, everybody's belly button's a little bit different, uh, a different location, but we all kind of have a general region. Mm -hmm. But what most people, what I notice on most people is that if your both hands are above your belly button, your arms, your forearms and the elbows do not break parallel. Right. So they don't break that 90 degree barrier. One of your hands dropping to your belly button will actually break the 90 degree parallel barrier with both elbows. Good point. And so if there's a rep where you are clearly like your hands are at your chest and your elbows are up and they're at 90 degrees, like if we're able to look and be like, no, that's clearly not 90 degrees. I don't know where your belly button's at, but your elbows are at 90. Yeah. That's still going to be a no rep. Okay. Good point. Yeah. So it's a lot of different stuff. And, and that's one of those, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like Spartan rules. It's the judge's discretion. You know, it, it's going to be to that judge. Is everybody perfect? No. Like you said earlier, we're human. 
Um, I'm toying with the idea of like, I bought a really, really nice camera and I'm actually toying. I, I want to have somebody out recording and doing stuff for the event, but I'm toying with the idea of actually having a camera that is set up specifically to record the actual event waves. And then we can go back and not necessarily to go back and be like, Oh, we had a misrep here that the judge didn't catch. Right. But in more so in the event of, hey, I don't think that ruling is right. We can go back and say, all right, well, this is where we're going to look at it. And if I have a five-minute set to look at, I can play that at 1.5x and be able to cleanly see all of the reps and notice, all right, I'm looking for this person right here. I'm looking on this one. You can play that one and a half, two times and take that five-minute set and review in two minutes, two and a half minutes and know, all right, well, this didn't count. This is the new count. This is where we're at and be able to adjust accordingly. Um, I think that was kind of one of the biggest things that they that they dealt with at Vintage Strength Games was just being able or not not even Vintage Strength Games. Uh, the last one before that, the the kettlebell comp where they had the mace stuff. I think it was where Leo and Eric and somebody else were at. And basically, it it came down to like clean reps versus the actual number. Like one person did more reps, but some were not clean. And the, so the, when they counted the clean reps, it was just a few short of the person that got the most reps and won. And it just, it ended up being like this whole thing. And so I guess at this point, our, our, we're trying to figure out how to streamline that and make it easiest um, on you know us as those running the events, uh, make it easiest for the judges to not catch flack. And then also on the competitors to know, look, if you come in, I'm expecting you as the event coordinator, I'm expecting you to hold yourself accountable just as much as the rest of us. You yeah. know, ego, like If your ego's in the way and you're like, I was only one rep behind him, but in the back of your head, you're like, I know I had five missed reps or five or no reps. You know, it's that personal accountability, just being able to say, look, these are the facts. This is everything we've got. This is the outcome. Yeah. And I'll tell you, uh, just an example of how to deal with that would be just let everybody know if they want to appeal and have the mm -hmm. tape reviewed that, you know, that they would have to pay X amount of dollars if, you know, they do it. Kind of paying for the review just because, hey, look, this is man hours. This is something yes. we're going to have to do that we that was not initial. Yeah. That's and actually, I like that. And, and I got the idea from being on the fire department when we uh, take our promotional exams they're video uh -huh. recorded and you have to talk to the camera and then a judge listens to the, that tape he's not only listening to your tape he's listening to hundreds of other con contest um candidates just listening to every tape one after the yeah, next after so the next. yeah they can make a mistake they can mm -hmm. so if you go and review your tape and you hear that you said what you were supposed to say and they said you did it you could file an appeal but you got to also throw 20 bucks, 25 bucks in. And it's, it's really just to pay for the man hours. But really, if you're, if you are like, if you're that dead set on the fact that you're like, no, I know it. that's not the right ruling. Yes, it's if there's money it. on the line, you're going to know, you're not right. just going to go into it. Like, well, I think I might've been right. Like at that point, it's, if you think you might've been, but you're not a hundred percent certain, I do apologize train harder and come back and fucking crush it next time. Yeah, but right yeah. now, this is the standings that we have. Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'll actually probably use that then. Yeah, there you go. Don't don't right. men, don't mention my name when you do, though. <laughs> People Fred are, said I have to charge you $25 <laughs> if you want me to review this video. How serious? No. 
so yeah that's uh that's that's really cool man you know um you got that going on and uh the vintage strength games has their uh, their uh, next one coming up in miami and uh yeah i think uh yeah uh, they've got theirs coming up in miami i don't remember when it's later on yeah it's like february 8th I yeah, believe. as I say, I think it's early next year, Actually, uh, February next year. Then, yes, uh, it's February eighth. And um, are the are you expecting the athletes competing in in the May shootout and the Vintage Strength Games kind of be doing the same thing, like you know jumping back and forth between these games? At some point, right yeah. now, um, I think a little bit less of that's going to happen. Like truth, honestly, I think a little less of that's going to happen maybe this year. Uh, just because everybody's kind of got their things going, uh, the, the, the launches, the first annual. Um, I think as we get a season down, we will definitely start seeing that. Like I know Scott Wong, Brad, like next year, uh, uh, I picked a really, really awesome date because Brad's anniversary is the night before or the day before October 11th. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, dude, what better way to celebrate your anniversary than with a road trip to Texas? <laughs> uh, but no, so he's got that planned. And so he was, he's not going to be able to make it this year. Uh, but I know a lot of people are definitely like, Hey, if I, you know, when I get time and when I know about it a little bit more, be able to travel next year for it. And so I definitely think that we will see a lot more crossover as time goes on. Yeah. The goal is to have an overall point standings kind of like Spartan race does where, I can go race any Spartan, and if I'm in the elite, uh, the elite waves, and I win, I'm in the part. I'm in the point standings. I get points that qualify for the overall standing. Yeah. And so, obviously, the more events you go to, the better chance you have of getting points and rising in that points uh, in that league. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of the deal here. Is the goal? I know Brad has definitely talked about the idea of having the series is where you can travel around and hit all of them. And then towards the end of the calendar year, like that last event of the year is going to be the championship event for everything where we'll have people come out and you'll be able to do just like you're You know, you'll be able to enter in as your standalone, but we'll have that one event where it is the top names and they're all there shooting for the title. And so we will have that. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's definitely the key right there. I, I think that's what's going to happen. It's and and the athletes are going to just get better because they're going to be yeah. using this. Um, th- they're going to be going to this competition, then they're going to be going to yours, back and forth, wh- whatever else they're doing. Smaller little competitions that aren't really you know uh, out there at you know at a higher level but whatever they're going to get better and you're going to see better records and you know guys like scott who you know he crushed it at the vintage strength games you know his hands were demolished did you saw after he's got like double calluses on almost every single digit that's insane yeah I, i i saw after he competed i saw him walk over to the first aid station he was and i'm like looking at him he's pouring shit on his hands he's going uh and then uh, a couple days later on Instagram, it looks like potato chip flakes just ripped off oh his off his hands. I need to get a first aid station for my chip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just gonna have a butt like band aids and alcohol. Just here, I'm sorry, guys. That's all I've got. Take it all. Uh, no, that's yeah. something I gotta. That's uh, that's one thing that I honestly have not even thought about is yeah. getting that. I think we have some stuff. Yeah, well, because the that. That Adex mace is no joke, man. That handle, it's it's thinner. 
and it's not Definitely. like a on it mace. So that wiggles around in your hands, man. You can and and swinging it for like five minutes, ten minutes. Oof, that's a lot I of. I got a. I attempted a five-minute set, um, uh, not even fully loaded, like a, like 20 pounds or something like that. I attempted a five-minute set. I got like three and a half minutes in and just died. You died. Dropped it down to like a couple days later, I dropped it down to like 15. I think I dropped it down to 15 pounds, and I ended. I was able to get five minutes, some of the worst reps, looking reps I've ever had at the end of it, but I was able to actually get five minutes of single arm, 10 and twos. And that like my hand, like still like right in here, yeah, like just rub raw and yeah. still hurts. Yeah. And I don't, th- there's not enough chalk you could put on. It's gone in seconds. Anyway, you sweat it right off. <laughs> it's, I don't even there know. There is not enough chalk, but trust me, we've got a, we're trying. Yeah. Uh, no, we've got, I have a huge chalk bucket that yeah. we use and I'm just going to set it up right in front of it. Yeah, get that sucker ready. Just grab it as you need it. I've all, I've even toyed with like, having chalk bags and just be like, you can wear a chalk bag and it's going to be really rough. But if you can sling your hand in there and re chalk up real fast, like mid rep, go for it. Wow. There's yeah. a new skill to develop into this and, and add to the game. I mean, the guy who could get the, or the woman who could get the hand to the chalk bag is going to have way more endurance and be able to crush it. Maybe, you know, that would be interesting yeah. to say. Just wow. practice trying to look at your watch for the timer. That ended up just looking over and like trying to get the focus on it before the maze gets back around. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, I could see a, a lot of problems occurring in that move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I generally look at things and say, how can I make this as dangerous as possible? And then tell everybody, this is what you don't do. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Don't do what I do. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Are you going to be competing in this? No, that was one of my very first things as I looked at it. And I was, I, I was asking myself, I was like, it would be so cool to compete and do it. And then I thought, I was like, yeah, that would be really bad to go in and win your own competition. Yeah. Then I thought about it and I was like, I have so much other stuff that I have to focus on. And then I started like talking to Brad. That was one of the first things he said. He was like, I would not compete in my own event again. Yeah. He was, he has to Back and forth, just like yeah. ping pong, back and forth on everything. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a trooper, man. Um, that was, that's why I asked because he, you could see he was burning the candle at both ends there. You know, yeah. um, if you, if you focus on the event, the event runs perfectly smooth, hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. or you focus on being an athlete and you compete better, but when you try to do both at the same time, the logistics of running the event and talking with people, you don't know if media is going to be there. Um, who knows, right? God, and then I hope that media dis- is there. They better no. be. All, right. All, um, all channels get there. All news reporters get there. It's going to be on October 12th, right? Yep, October 12th. Uh, tentative start time is going to be 10 a.m. Okay. Um, but I mean, at this point, it's kind of as everybody shows up. Yeah, we'll we'll open up doors and get people ready, get started, uh, get starting to get ready um, right. around 9 a.m. And so anybody's going to be able to come on in there. Uh, I'm excited. I'm most excited for just the, the the amount of space that we have. You know, gym is going to be going on like it is a gym, and there will be people training there like normal. Um, but we're going to have our specific space. Um, but I'll have a little bit of time uh, uh, leading in where anybody's able to come in. This is going to be free for spectators. That's like the, the biggest thing that I'm doing this year is you don't have to pay for spectating. 
Um, you can, anybody's able going to be able to come in, check it out. I'll have, I have, like I said, a bunch of extra maces that are not addicts, of course, uh, a lot of the incline and the ones that I bought from overseas. And so I have like maces and clubs that anybody can come in and try. We'll absolutely be able to show people. My goal is, I know uh, a couple of the competitions, um, Rick and a couple of these guys were saying that they had people that literally would show up to the competition. They'd be there for the kettlebell. They would see the mace. And in 10 minutes, I think Donnie was talking to me about it from Addicts. Uh, he was like, uh, you know, this competitor came over. I was like, I want to learn how to swing the mace. And then two other competitors from the, like the, the opposite country, like the, the challenging country, was there. And they, were, they saw him doing it. And they're like, <laughs> we have to learn how to do this. Yeah, so yeah. My, like, I'm hoping that somebody will show up and be like, I can do this and sign up on the spot. Like, that's what I want to see is somebody come in and be like, I want to do that event and teach me how to do it and yeah. i want to get on stage and do it like yeah that is, that's the goal yeah that's great man that's great so um how can people sign up uh right now uh you can go to uh, the unconventional training center.com slash shootout uh i'm gonna uh, probably for next year i'll end up getting an actual like i have the texas may shootout uh domain I just have to like get it set up and actually doing something and working. But right now it'll just be on my website. Um, the easiest way to get there is to hit me up on Instagram at unconventional training center. There's a link in my bio that'll take you directly to it. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at the unconventional training center. Uh, and there is a link there as well to the, uh, to the event page. Uh, it's really easy. The registration is just a registration form. You fill all your information out there and then I'll send a PayPal invoice and get you rolling. Okay, great. Um, so that's going to be on October 12th, everybody. And, uh, you know, John just, uh, gave you the address for everything to, you know, the, the com. check that out, get your name in there ASAP. Um, cause it's coming up quick. And if you're just hearing about it now, um, you better start training, <laughs> get to swinging, get to practice, get to swinging, <laughs> you know, cancel all your appointments and, uh, put the kids to bed early and start, start hunkering down. And so just tell the bed kids to put themselves to bed. Your dad's going to be in here practicing. Yeah, that's it. They just, you know, slip a plate of food under the door every once in a while. Keep me going. <laughs> I wish I, mean, I could. You got to let them out one hour every day for, you know, yard time. But <laughs> uh, of course, uh, but of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish I could be there for it. Um, you know, uh, I can't really travel around as much as I'd like to right now, but I do intend to in the near future. I'm going to be going out to Chicago for a workshop, actually, and I do intend to go to the Vintage Strength Games in Miami. I'm going to take my family with me. We're going to get out of the cold. So I hope to see you there. Uh, I would definitely like to try that. I know I'd, uh, I want to try to get out to some of these events around the nation just because, you know, we, we need to spread the unity. We need to build everybody up. That's a uh, like I see little camps fighting back and forth all over the place. And I just, I know like we, we got to get everybody moving together Yeah, in the it, same direction. That's it. Yeah. It, and, and then people will see it's a lot bigger than, than what they think it is. It's, you know, yeah. a, a lot bigger, you know, um, but that unification, it will uh, pay off dividends. And uh, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that before we, and the podcast for everybody to just be aware of. So, um, that's about it, man. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna say goodbye, but, um, this was a great time talking to you. 
I really learned a lot of stuff from you. And I Thanks, think, Craig, too. You, you know, the, the information you gave us uh, on the mindset and everything, that's, that's great stuff. So uh, I look forward to talking to you again. We'll stay in touch on Instagram and uh, keep me up to date on how the shootout goes. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, man. It's been a uh, pleasure talking to you as well. And y'all have a great day up there, man. All right. Thanks, John. See you later, man.